0: You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, we're going to, I want to share about Jesus's commandment that he gave us. And you got to remember, I put it this way. If I knew I was going to die, I'm not going to die, right? But if I knew I was going to die. And let's say I knew I'm going to go, and I'm, never going to be, I'm not going to return, so I was going to die. Jesus was going to go to heaven, and he's got one last moment with his disciples and apostles, but his disciples. I mean, he spoke to 500 people. The Bible says 500 people saw him after his resurrection, and he had something to say. Like, I know if I had one last thing to say to the ones I love. Even to you guys. If I had one last thing to say, what would I say? Because that's what, as a parent, think about that for a second. You have one last thing to tell your children something. Or people that you love. One last thing. What's that last thing you're going to say? I just want to show you the the weightiness or the responsibility that fell upon Jesus when he was up on the mountain of Olivet. He told them to meet him there. You find it in Matthew 28. Matthew 28. 28. We can read it from verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. That appointment means literally he made an appointment to meet him there. I don't know how he said that. I want to, you know, put it in your diaries or your iPhones. Make sure you don't forget. I want to see you in Mount Olivet at such and such time. So they knew to meet him there. Verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him. I love that. When you see Jesus, it just compels you to worship him because he's so beautiful. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But look how honest the Bible is. But some doubted. Now, if you're writing the Bible out, you're writing the, 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 what really happened, and you want people to believe your story, you probably want to throw that out. Don't put that in there because it's not really a faith-building thing. People saw Jesus' body. They saw him alive after his resurrection. Some people still doubted. it. Isn't that phenomenal to think that? Some people still doubt it. And Jesus came and spoke to them. This is what he says. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is really, really on Jesus' heart. Why is this on his heart? Why is this so important? We call it the great commandment. Sometimes we, we treat it like it's the great suggestion. They think? It's just a suggestion. If you want to do it, you can do it. If you don't want to do it, it's fine. It's up to you. That's the sort of Christianity that most people are, you know, only if you want to. You don't have to. But when Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, he's saying it for a reason. Because at one point he didn't have all the authority, but he took the authority back from Satan. Satan was the accuser of everybody, and he condemned mankind to an eternity in hell, but Jesus paid the penalty on the cross, consumed the judgment of God, and took back the authority for mankind. He actually didn't take the authority back for himself. He took it back for you. He represented you. Gave it back to us. And he now he says, because I've got this authority, go therefore. Everyone say go. go. Say it together. Ready, set. Go. Beautiful. Goes to two-thirds of God's, uh, God's name. God, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Disciples are followers, are learners, are people that are disciplined to follow someone's teaching. Make disciples. That's our mission. This is our goal. As a church, this is it. This is every believer's goal, every believer's mission. No matter how we do it, I love the way Dean shared it. he did it so well. No matter how we do it, we need to make disciples. There's this, this mission, and it, and it is wrapped in love. We, we, it's the only motivation we have to share the good news. Thank God it's good news. It only should sound like good news from us. Too, too, for too long, the church gave bad news. Like, you're going to hell. If you don't change, you're going to hell. Like, tell them the good news. Tell them that God paid the penalty and you can go to heaven. It's, it, you're forgiven. God has forgiven you because of what Jesus did on the cross. Imagine that. The whole world is through God's covenant, through God's agreement. He made a covenant with mankind. I sent Jesus. You're forgiven if you put your faith in him. That's good news. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to teach them, the people that we're called to reach, teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. I love that because everyone can do that. All we have to do is teach others what God's taught us. So if you became a Christian and you gave your life to Christ and God forgave you, you can tell someone else about that. You don't have to have a scholar. You don't have to have a scholarship. You don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to go to Bible study. You don't have to do a course even. If God forgave you of your sins and you know you got peace with God... And you were a drug addict, or you were a businessman, you're an entrepreneur, and you were running away, and you, were, you, you didn't have peace with God. Now you've got peace with God. You've got, you've got a story to tell. You can tell someone that I, I have peace with God. Like a Dean said, you can't argue with his testimony. I was lost. I was, no matter what I did, I was still sad. I was still empty. I filled it with drugs. I filled everything, but it's still something was missing. And so you can't argue with someone's story because it's real. You can say, oh, no, no, I don't think that's true. Well, it, is, it happened. This is the reality. I have peace with God. I am forgiven. And so, so we're giving them what we've learned. So whatever you learn, you can tell others. You can share. It's just I'm just trying to bring it down to, to earth. When I became a Christian at the age of 19, I was searching. I was, I was looking. I knew, I knew something was missing. I knew life wasn't complete. You know why? Because deep inside, we were created for a relationship with God. Even if I didn't know it, I, there was an like a... a they say a God-shaped vacuum, but reality is it is a God-shaped because your spirit is spiritually dead. That's what the Bible says. It's dead to God, and it needs a resurrection. The spirit that's dead has to come alive. And when it does come alive, then you have a relationship with God. That's, that's what was missing for me. I was successful. I was a good breakdancer. I was going to nightclubs. I was a fashion designer. I mean, I, I was going to make it. I'm young. I'm ambitious. I'm full of pride, selfish ambition, everything. And I was lost. But God touched me. And once I uh, received the Holy Spirit, once I had a relationship with God, I had so much peace. I didn't need the things of this world that were offering me. I didn't even realize I was looking there to satisfy all those, the emptiness, the, the loneliness, the lack of love, and the, the lack of security, the lack of identity. I didn't even know who I was. And God gave me a relationship with Him. And so we, we can, I'm telling you, I, I was telling everyone, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I'd go to nightclubs, not inside, because I didn't need to go inside him. I'd go outside nightclubs and talk to anyone that was willing to listen. All my mates, because I was, I was um, known. They all knew me, so I'd go outside nightclubs and whoever wanted to listen would go, oh Leo's outside, and they'd come out and I'd talk to them about Jesus, I'd talk to them about God. Why? Because I was passionate. I know I've found something. When everyone's dying of a terminal disease, I can't say Everyone's dying of it. You found the antidote. This is the antidote. You take it because you're dying from it. Now you're healed. You're not going to put it on the shelf. You just don't do that. Now, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The word nations is ethnos. We get that ethnosity, which is ethnos. It's that, that word there. We get our word ethnos, which means different nationalities. Ethnos is nations. It doesn't matter what people group you belong to. Jesus is going to all the world, every ethnos group. That to me is absolutely everyone. Now, in theory, we would go, yes, of course. But once you approach a a, a particular ethnos group, because they're all in our city, we don't have to go to another nation necessarily. We do go to other nations. We've got to go there. We've got to go here. We've got to reach our neighbors and our nations. But they're everywhere. they're everywhere. So any group, drug addict group, prostitution group, homosexual group, any group, business group, entrepreneur group, I mean, successful group, anything you can think of, we need to reach all of them. Every single person. Because every single person needs Jesus. That's why he says go into all the ethnos group. Other, other, other scriptures, other translations. Mark says go into the whole world. And preach the good news of the kingdom. So our message is the good news of God's kingdom. In other words, the kingdom of God is ready and at hand, is available if you accept Jesus. You can come, the doorway is Jesus, because he paid the penalty on the cross. If you accept Jesus, this is good news. You come to the domain of the king. You 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 bow down to the king, the creator of the universe. Kingdom, domain of the king, God's domain. He has to rule you to come into the kingdom. But you got to remember, he's a good king. So every time I say the word rule, he, oh, I don't want to let go of my life. I ah, think if I let go of my life, it's... Oh, I'm happy with myself. I'll take care of myself. Not knowing that God's a good God. He's a beautiful God. He's magnificent. He only wants the best for you. He created you for himself. So why would we want to live separate from him? So that's, that's the great commandment. or well, I'd say it's, not, it's a commission because God commissioned his people to go do this. But it's a commandment. It's not just a suggestion. It's not, not an a opinion. That's just Jesus' opinion. I've got my own opinion. It's, it's the king's opinion, if you want to say that. Therefore, it becomes a commandment. You following me? Yeah. Now, when we share our faith, Reinhard Bonnke, if you know of him, a great general in the faith, he's just passed on to be with the Lord in heaven. And um, he did great, great crusades and reached millions of people. But he said, you must come. This is the title of my message. You must come. Before you go, Jesus says, Come, all ye who are heavenly laden and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, he said. Come to me, all you are heavenly laden and burdened. The world gives you burdens and wounds and heartaches and brokenness, and you carry this, wo- this, this burden, and you're walking around like this. You don't even realize you're just a mess and crippled and without God. I don't care if you're successful, you still got hurt. You're burdened, you're wounded. You're, there's something missing. I've seen very successful outward people in the natural, financially successful, because that's only one very small part of your life, but their marriage is a mess. Or they've got no joy, they've got no peace. They've got millions and millions and millions in the bank, but they're worried about every single dollar in the bank. They have no peace. It doesn't make you successful just because you've got one area seem to be okay. God wants every area to be healthy. And so Jesus says, Come to me, all you are heavenly laden and burdened. And he actually says, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Do you believe Jesus was joking, lying, or telling the truth? Some people think, that's a pretty good joke, man. That's like, what? <laughs> burden is light? Yes. If you're if you, if you walking with Jesus, he carries the burden. It actually is light. It, it, it should be light. If it's not light, we're probably doing something wrong. Yeah. If you think uh, life is hard. Australians, mate. Life is hard. You can't even find toilet paper in the shopping centre. It's that hard. I had to throw that out. Life's hard in Australia, mate. (laughs) But when you've got the Holy Spirit, He tells you where to go. Hey, Quinton, He tells you where to go, mate, to find the toilet paper. (laughs) But when you go to Him, life is light. It should be, my burden is light. My yuck is easy, my burden is light. Wow. So it's when I come to God, He He really, I don't know how to explain it. He just fills me with His love. He fills me with His joy. I got saved at the age of 19 in 1987. But I still was impacted this morning with His presence. Last night with His presence. I'm talking about so impacted that I'm overwhelmed with his presence. I'm crying. I'm weeping. I I enjoy him. I love it. I don't cry out of, oh, it's me. Something's wrong with me. No. I say, God, you're so good. You're amazing. And I burst out with joy sometimes. Just, God, you're amazing. The peace of God. Being in God's presence to the point where you have no care in the world. You're experiencing God. You come to him before you go. Because if we go without coming to him, we've got nothing to go with. What are we telling the world? Sometimes we tell the world and we want to tell them about Jesus for our sake. You know what that means? Because if our conscience is smiting us, I've got to tell someone about Jesus. I, I, God told me, I heard a message, Leo preached on evangelism again. Leah's told us we need to go tell someone and I better go do it because I'm a Christian and it's my responsibility, my duty. And so we tell them more for our sake. So we go, God, I got off my chest, I did it. You're not loving the person when you're doing it for you. Because whether you feel guilty, I've got to do it. It's my responsibility, my duty. When you do something for love, for their sake, I want them to be forgiven. I want them to find freedom. I know they need Jesus. I know they have to have a relationship with God. I know they're missing out on what I have. I've got to give them what I have. When you do it out of love, then you do it, um, it's a word, with wisdom. Because love works with wisdom. But when you don't do it out of love, you actually do it awkwardly. You do it, and you say, oh, "I've done," it, and you walk away. You've done it. And it's awkward because you did it for you, not for them. Love ministers to them. Love thinks of their need. Love thinks of how they're sensing, they're feeling. And I'm not saying that they can get angry, but you say it in love. They can get angry with the gospel. They can get angry with the truth because of their conscience smites them when you tell them about the good news. If you turn to Isaiah six, please. Isaiah six. Isaiah was one of the greatest prophets. In the Old Testament, he he wrote one of the amazing amazing book called the Book of Isaiah, and Isaiah fifty three tells us all about the crucifixion and, dis- and explains the crucifixion more accurately than what the disciples watched Jesus die on the cross. Didn't know what he was doing on the cross, but as but 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 Isaiah in Isaiah fifty three says he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, by his stripes he got whipped. Stripes are whipping. We were healed. That's in the Isaiah. 800, about 800 years before Jesus was even born. Uzziah was an amazing prophet, powerful prophet. And in the year that Uzziah the king died, in verse here, verse one, in the year that King Uzziah died, King Uzziah was, was a, a pretty good king, and I think I think it was his uncle. So I think this, this death of the king affected Isaiah. Because why did he say, in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Now, he didn't just see it in a picture in his mind's eye. I'm talking about Uzziah went to the throne. All right, you're following this? He went to the throne. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This temple is... Who knows how large it is because God's throne is in the temple. But again, your brain can't comprehend what's happening in heaven. Don't picture it in some small little house, some little temple. God's, God's uh, robe, now, I don't know how that looks like, but God must have a flowing robe that filled the whole temple. And it says, above it, above the throne, stood seraphim. The word seraphim in the Hebrew is. It's the word we get for burning. These are angels of fire. It's a fiery angel. The angels were, when you look at these seraphims, they were oh, they are fire. They created, I don't know how God creates them, but He does. These are fiery angels. Their wings would probably look like fire. He goes, and it stood, and I think these, I think these seraphims were massive in, in size. Each one had six wings. With the two, he covered his face. Now, why would an angel cover his face? With the two, he covered his feet, and with the two, he did fly. So, these angels—I don't know how many they are. Maybe they're definitely more than two. But they're around the throne, above the throne, and they're flying around the throne, and they're covering their eye, their face. Why? I reckon because of the brilliance of the glory of God Himself. The angels that were created to worship God. Also are sheltering themselves because God is just so magnificent that they can hardly look at him. And out of reverence, they fly around him and they have to cover their face, cover their feet. And the one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies of God or the angels of God. The whole earth, I love this statement. Some of us, so many of us look at the statement, what? Why is that in the Bible? The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. If the Bible says something, that means it's true. It's not going to be full of his glory. The whole earth is already full of the glory of God. Your body, to so look at yourself, that's full of the glory of God. Now, you didn't make yourself God knit you into your mother's womb and, and your body is phenomenal. Billions and billions and billions of cells from one little, little cell that you could not even see. One seed, one egg together had all the information, all the DNA to become every single body part. That's the glory of God. You see an ant, that's the glory of God. You see an animal, that's the glory of God. You see anything living, anything created, the glory of God. The clouds, the sun, the moon, the stars, the, the whole earth is full of God's glory. We just don't see it. That's why I said all that. We just don't have eyes to see. We've fallen so far from God. And the posts of the door were shaken. Listen to this. Why did he say that? I think it's because this is so overwhelming. This is so phenomenal that he had to say, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with the smoke. In other words... The, the, the doorway had posts. I don't know the doorway to the temple. And it shook because the angels were so large and so loud. It shook the very foundation of those posts. And, and, and he obviously was so shaken up by everything. He had to, I had to coin, he had to write down that, that when they, those angels said, holy, 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 it shook everything. This is a magnificent sight, what's happening here. The first reaction that Isaiah has is, Woe is me. Woe is me, undone, for I am undone. He goes, Because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. I mean, Isaiah is saying, Woe is me. Like it's almost like I'm dumbfounded and silent. I'm a man of unclean lips. And you gotta remember this is the prophet. One of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament who made his living by preaching, by speaking. And he he, he sees, when he sees the Lord, see our holiness is very relative. We think we're holy and walking. Until you see him, you go, Oh, my God! You want to hide when you see how magnificent he is. The prophet felt that way. You think you say, I'm holy compared to everybody else. Compared to the earth, and oh, they're filthy people down there. I'm whole. no, it's not self righteousness. He himself, who was probably the holiest person that walked on the earth, says, "I'm undone. Woe is me. I've just seen the Lord." I mean, we just read words, but I'm trying to bring it to life. We just read words. Oh, yeah, I, saw the Lord, and I mean, I want to experience God like that. I'd love to. One of my prayers is, God, I want to see this throne like that while I'm alive, not when I die. I just want to let you into a secret. I said that on purpose. One thing because if you 've heard of anyone encountering God in a, I mean there's a lot of people in the Bible encountered God by the way. Isaiah encountered God like we 're reading here. Daniel encountered the Lord, and he was taken to the throne. He saw the thrones and people and the elders sit on the throne, and he saw the future, I mean, a, the prophet Daniel, powerful. Ezekiel was taken in the spirit many times and he saw the glory of the Lord. He saw the throne. Ezekiel, there are three already. Moses, up on the mountains, yes. received the Ten Commandments and the book of Genesis, the how God created everything, face to face with God. It's hanging out with God. Moses, and I, I just told you four, I think I think he gave you four. I believe David had powerful experiences with God because the way he wrote the Psalms, he must have experienced what he wrote. And and, and these are old testament prophets. They have an inferior covenant to us. The Bible actually says that. I'm not saying that because we've got something. The Bible says we have a superior covenant. Their, their, Their glory that they walked in was fading away. We've got something that will never fade away. We have a covenant with God in Jesus Christ by the very blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Son of God. Shed his blood so that we have right standing with God. That Old Testament covenant was actual animals, a lamb, that was a typifying, symbolic picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Had to be without spot, had to be without sickness, had to be without disease. And that was sacrificed. A picture, bloodshed, innocent animal, took the sins of Israel for a whole year, covered. It was still the grace of God that they were forgiven. In the Old Covenant. Still the grace of God that they were forgiven. So because it's that's Old Covenant, and now we're in New Testament, we've got grace. God was gracious to the Old, old Testament people. They were covered. Their sins were covered for a whole year. Then they did it again and again and again every single year. Now we've got a, the once and for all sacrifice that made us perfect forever. That's in the Bible. Uh, we haven't got time to go for every single scripture. If you read the Bible, you go, oh yeah, I've read that. I remember that. Once and for all sacrifice that uh, perfected us forever. So uh, I'm just trying to say that if those guys experienced God that way, why can't we? Jesus experienced God as the Son of God. As the son of man, he had a relationship with God and he experienced God's presence. Paul was stricken by God, Jesus himself, while he's on the road to Damascus, persecuting Christians, and he's on the horse or something, and a and, and, and bright light came and he fell off the horse and he says, Lord, he's shaken with fear. The Lord spoke to him and it was full of glory, full of light. And the Lord says to Saul, before he became Paul, why do you persecute me? Encounters. John the Apostle had an encounter with God. We need to come before we go. So what I'm talking about encountering, I'm talking about we need to experience. We need to encounter and then we need to have a relationship with Him. Now I want to bring it down to earth, even though that's that, what I just said there is yours for the taking. Depends how hungry you are, depends how much faith you are, depends how much maturity you have. But at the same time, I've been walking with the Lord for many, many years, and, and I'm, I'm not like I've learned I don't have to have an encounter like they did to experience the presence of God as thick as they did. Because the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus says, Don't say, There it is. There it is. The kingdom of God is coming now. There he goes, For the kingdom of God is within you. True? So the kingdom of God is within me. And plus the covenant that we have the New Testament covenant, the, the gospel. The good news has made a way. You know, this is all scripture. Holy Spirit has made his home in my body, in your body. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit himself. So when I pray, I say, thank you, Lord, that you are here with me. I don't look for an encounter. Like, like, I don't look for an event. It's a better word. I don't look for... I don't have to see an angel to experience the presence of God. I don't have to see Jesus walk into my room to experience the presence of God. I'd love to, don't get me wrong. And I'm hungry for it, but I can experience God's presence that's according to my faith. And sometimes I feel the Lord say that, that if the Lord Himself walked into your room, you, you can experience God's presence as much as if the Lord Himself walked into your room. It's all according to your level of faith and maturity. And revelation of a relationship with him. It's always relationship. It's always revelation of him. Do you understand that? You're going to have a revelation. If I don't understand who God is, I don't have a revelation of who he is. Uh, I can't experience him. Does that make sense? So I, I, when I, for me, it started with 10 minutes a night reading the Bible. That was my revelation. That was where it started. So I mean, wherever you are at, start with Something. Start with 10 minutes a night, read the word, and say, God, I want to know you. I don't want to read so I can get knowledge. I want to know you. I don't want to read so I can have knowledge so someone asks me questions, i got the answers. No, I want to know you. Reveal yourself. I want to know you. And so when I come in contact with him, he speaks truth, I encounter him. Yes, Lord, speak it to me. Ah, yes, Lord. Okay, yeah, I need to let go of that. that, Ah, that evil, yuck, oh, that selfishness. I deal with something. I'm dealing with it. I say, Yes, Lord. Yes, speak it to me. Yes, I welcome that because He's beautiful. He's loving. He's gracious. What am I doing? I'm encountering Him. I'm experiencing Him. 10 minutes a day. At what level? Maybe this level, right at the bottom, just starting somewhere. But as you be faithful with a little, little by little, little by little, you just experience an encounter. But we've got to come to Him. We encounter Him because we come to Him. So, so, so last night, I, I'm coming, and I love to just put worship on. I got blessed by my children on my birthday with these, what do you call them? AirPods. So I can put them on to my iPad or to my you know, iPhone with worship and I can worship God. Or I can walk around and worship God. I not have to be stuck to because of the strings. And, and I can just worship, I can praise, and just I experience, I just enjoy Him. I enjoy God's presence. And I've got to encounter Him as I encounter Him. I get filled with his presence. I get filled with his love. I get filled with his joy, his peace. Then I've, I've got, I'm carrying something. I'm not talking about feelings. That's why I'm very careful with my words. I don't want you to think, oh, you've got to feel it or you can't share it. No. I carry, you carry when you don't feel anything. So when you go and have a restaurant, you go down to put petrol in the car, you go to the school, you go to, you go to a party, you go to work, you go to university, you go wherever you go to do life, you carry Because you've walked in. So we've got to watch our language. We say, oh, God, come. We welcome you to come. Holy Spirit, would you come? He's already here. How can we say to God, come, when he's already here? Does that make sense? So we've got to learn to say, Father, I thank you. Then once we walked into this room, we all came in with you if we're believers. If we know you, Jesus, then Holy Spirit's living inside of us. We've got to make sure we speak in line with this word. So I say, Father, I thank you that the kingdom of God is within me. The presence of God. Jesus prayed. I've I, I really got so much. I didn't even share this part because when he says, Woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And he says, I'm undone, I'm unclean. The seraphim heard. This magnificent angel full of fire came down, flew down to the altar at the throne of God and picked up a hot, fiery stone with tongs. So why couldn't he pick it up with his on fire himself? Well, he picks up with tongs. The Bible says tongue. He picks up a tongue with the stony thing and, and comes to Isaiah and touches his lips with it. And he says, You're cleansed. Your iniquity is wiped away. Washed. I don't know what happened, but I believe that's a picture of the altar in the throne, is a picture where the sacrifice. Lamb of God, the blood of Christ was going to fall on that altar in heaven. It's in the Bible. Not with the blood of bulls and goats. He didn't go into the Holy of Holies, but not, well, not the one made with hands, but the one made without hands. Jesus, with his own blood, went into the throne room at the altar, pours his blood at the altar. So it's a symbolic picture. Jesus' death is good enough. And he washed him. When he got washed and forgiven, see, when we look at ourselves, this is the, this is the point. When we look, oh, my sin, oh my sin, my sin, my shame, my shame, my shame. My shame. You can't experience God. You can't hear God. The moment he was washed and forgiven, the Bible says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying. I know it says in in the NIV, it says also I heard. Now, the word also is not there. Just I heard the voice of the Lord. The moment he got cleansed, he heard. The moment you're forgiven, you're washed, you're cleansed through the blood of Jesus dying on the cross, you start hearing God. You start having a relationship with God. Does that make sense? And then, this is what God says Whom shall I send and who will go for us? I mean, that's a real tricky question, don't you reckon? God's on the throne, knowing Isaiah's down there having an experience. And God speaks to the angel and says, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? Knowing that he's there and he can hear it. He's having a conversation, but he could hear now. And Isaiah's moved. He's so moved with his experience. He's so moved in the presence of Almighty God. He can't help but say, here am I. Send me. You just can't keep it to yourself when you experience him. And yes, experience. start with 10 minutes a night. Start with 20 minutes of the Bible reading. Start with half an hour spending time with God. Go for a walk. Talk with him. But start somewhere. You cannot, please, you cannot live on Sunday morning's message. Mm. And you never pick up the Bible for yourself. It's just not the way God created you. This is to train, equip, to teach you how to connect with God for yourself. But if you don't have the Bible during the week, you're not going to cut it in these last days. I'm telling you now. You never were created for that. And, and, and Isaiah is so moved that he goes, Here am I, Send me. And he said, go and tell this people. He gives him a message from the throne. God's on the throne and speaks. Go and tell these people. Keep on hearing and do not understand. You keep on seeing and you do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull and their, heart, their ears are heavy. Shut their eyes lest they should see with their, eye, their, their eyes and hear with their ears. And basically he's saying if they could hear and see, they would be converted and healed. But he's basically saying the people that i send you to won't listen. The Lord says that to Isaiah. And Isaiah says, I'm willing to go. And, and then he says, how long, Lord? And he goes, until the place is all desolate. Until the towns are desolate, until there's no people around in the houses, everyone, it's just all, they're all wiped out. Until a little stump's left, and that, that'll regrow. Wow. I mean, imagine God sending you, even though you know everyone's going to reject your message. And Isaiah says, yes, I'll go. I've run out of time, but tonight, I'm going to continue go into much more encounters I've got so many examples in the Bible of, of men and women just like you and I I'm talking about not, not, you know we, we think yeah but that's Jesus he, he encountered God now Jesus encountered God as a son of man he showed us the way that what he had we could have Ross, he, he's not allowed to say the works that I do shall you do also because I go to the Father the works that I do the miracles that I do you can do also because I go to the Father if we don't have the same access that he had to God I believe we have the exactly same access that Jesus had to God. You have the same access. Amen? One of Jesus' prayers. Times, he, up in the mountain, we call it the mountain of transfiguration. He, he says, Peter, James, and John, come up. He knows he's going to spend time with the Father. Jesus, I don't know, like I've learned... So when you pray, you, you, you pray out of relationship. You pray out of faith. If it's not faith, you're not going to connect. Faith, faith. You've got to use the words that are releasing faith. You've got to use the words out of relationship that's, that's speaking faith. It's going to be real. Going to be honest. You've got to be transparent. But you've got to be speaking faith. The revelation that you know of God's word. And you're praying out and you're speaking out. And I'm declaring. I'm speaking. And the presence of God gets thicker and thicker and thicker because it's real to me. Jesus praying and he starts to transfigure. I mean, his his clothes started to shine like light. And his face started to shine, the Bible says, like the brilliance of the noonday sun. Imagine seeing Jesus having a time with his father and he started to shine like the sun, just glory coming out of him. Like the reality of the holiness that he walked in. That's why it was glowing out like that holiness you're not going to glow like that if you don't walk in holiness it's impossible I'm just telling you now it's impossible God wants his people holy he wants his bride holy and he walked So and, 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 and then Moses and Elijah shows up talking to Jesus this is just his prayer time I think it's one little insight that like Jesus says I'm going to give an insight to my prayer time I reckon he had many encounters like that personally Peter has to speak up obviously always does Lord, let me build a tabernacle, a tent for you, Moses and Elijah. In other words, let's camp here. Let's stay. Let everybody come and see this. That's really what he was saying. Why would you build a tabernacle he doesn't think about, I want everyone to see this. I want everyone else to experience this. We've got to stay this moment. This is just too good. To, we've got to capture it. By that time, the glory cloud came. A bright, shining cloud, the Bible says. And God the Father spoke. This is my beloved son whom I'm pleased listen to him that's he said that for Peter listen to him that's a presence of God glory and Jesus comes down he was a little boy disciples couldn't he did every person that encountered God in a powerful way went out and told people about it so we need to continually encounter God in the level of faith that we are and when as we encounter we come but then we go we come my encouragement to all of us as I close is your goer turned on? No, that's my language. It's all right. I'm just, I know it's not a word, but—is your goer on? Every—it's not. I'm go, you know, We do go outreaches. We do have activation days. We do the tent ministry. We—we—we we, we do the street ministry to talk to the homeless. And, but everywhere we go, we should just always be on outreach. Just doing life—it should just be on everywhere. they knock on your door. If, if the telephone guys, just take the telephone guys and marketing and just, can I talk to you about Jesus? They'll probably stop ringing you. <laughs> anyway, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Father, tonight we want to dive into the depths of your word. We want to, we want to experience you, we want to encounter you, Lord, more. I know it's uh, to the, the, according to the level of faith. We prophesy according to our faith, we experience God according to our faith. Lord, we thank you that every single person here will encounter you, will meet with you, will experience you for themselves, Lord. I pray for a deeper encounter. And Lord, I pray for some, just heavenly visions and dreams from God. I thank you for angels uh, visiting as you did in the Bible, Lord. It's in the Word. I thank you for Jesus walking in the room like you did to Paul. And we just thank you for increased experiences, encounters, and relationship with you. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, we know you'll do it as we are hungry for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if, I just want to talk to one last group of people. If you don't know Jesus, you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You maybe heard the gospel the first time this morning, or maybe you have never really understood the gospel, but this morning you're thinking, yes, I'm getting it. I actually understand that Jesus died on the cross in my place. God was so merciful and gracious that He's choosing and has chosen to forgive me if I put my faith in Christ. So if that's you, just slip your hand up. Just say, yes, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my life. I want to make Him Lord of my life. It might be for the first time or maybe you've fallen away and you need to come back home. You want to come back to Jesus. Just lift your hand up. It's a beautiful thing. You want to experience what I'm talking about. You want to know Him for yourself. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody? You've got a hand. There. Thank you, Lord. And If you're on Facebook, watching on social media, you can accept Jesus Christ where you are too. Right where you are. Just bow your knee and say, Lord Jesus, I accept you into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I turn away from my sin and I say yes to you, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. I make you Lord of my life and i follow you all the days of my life. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus will forgive you and accept you into his family. Amen.